Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. Uh, we, I'm going to, so I need you to bear with me wherever you are. Oh, and, and hi, those of you who have me live. I, I just found out a little while ago. Uh, normally I'm on delay in Tulsa, Dayton, Jacksonville, and Orlando. Uh, some of my affiliates, they're all running me live today. So hi there. I was talking to my wife this morning about going to Oklahoma. I need to never been except a pit stop one time on an airplane. All right, I got to go to Dayton as well. I have a lot of listeners in Dayton, uh, in the Cincinnati, the Cleveland area, and I know they're they're not connected, but I need to go to Ohio too. Um, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do something here, I'm, I, and I need you to just bear with me because I got a news story to talk about, but I want to set up the larger point. I am a professional. I I can do this. I can do this. Um, secularism is as much a religion as sectarianism. It is. Secularism is as much a religion as sectarianism. In the sectarian worldview, particularly the Christian, Judeo-Christian worldview, people are born sinners. Now, I grew up Southern Baptist. When I went to college, my Baptist preacher told me I needed to go find a PCA church because there weren't any good Baptist churches at the time where I went. And I've been in the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, ever since we put fun and fundamentalism. Yes, we do. John Calvin and I are soulmates. Don't let that discredit me here. Let me just just put it to you this way. The the Judeo-Christian worldview, the worldview for the last really 1,500 years in the West has been that we are born sinners. Adam fell, sin runs through the line of man. This is why Jesus uh, could have an earthly mom but couldn't have an earthly dad because sin runs through men. Because Adam sinned. Now, why is it that Eve bit the apple and yet Adam is, is the one who got the big punishment of sin flowing through him? Well, if you read the story carefully, Eve was not around when God told Adam, don't eat from the tree of the uh, knowledge of good and evil. Eve was not there. She had not yet been created. So Adam gets the big punishment because Adam failed to protect Eve. Yes, she got punished too because she clearly had knowledge of it, but she added to what God had said. But but sin runs through the father. That's the, the, the I'm just just bear with me here. This isn't theology lesson. It's just Judeo-Christian worldview. We are born sinners. People are born bad. Now we have civic virtue. Every single one of us does stuff that in other people's eyes would be good, but in God's eyes we're all bad. And in God's eyes, we are all sinners. We we are all guilty of various sins. We all have them: lust and greed. Uh, we, we don't honor our parents. Uh, we, we have murderous hearts. We covet other people's things. We, we are, our minds and hearts are perpetual factories of idols. We put other things beside God first. That, that's the Judeo-Christian worldview. Now, in the Enlightenment period, John Locke came along. And John Locke essentially embraced the idea of the blank slate, the tabula rasa the scraped slate or the scraped tablet. 
Now, he actually wasn't meaning specifically to make a a point separating himself from theology altogether, although that's been embraced. But essentially, uh, a lot of people believe that um, people come into the world and their mind is full of stuff. All the Bible says that people come to the world, we're all sinners. We, we have a nature that is bit against God. The bondage of the will from Martin Luther that uh, we are bound to sin unless God imposes upon us and, and breaks us free of that that bond and, and bends us back to him. Uh, Locke believed in empiricism, that we are not, at the time, at the time, you need to understand, people believed that when you came out of the womb, you already were filled up with ideas about uh, mathematical ideas, the eternal truths, the notion of God, all these things, nothing, all these things weren't taught to you, they were already there. Now, the Bible would tell us we all have the sense of God because we're all made in the image of God. We kind of know he's there intuitively but we don't have the deep theological knowledge. Now, what Locke believed is empiricism, uh, that uh, we, we have to learn all these things. We come out a blank slate and everything we do is learned. Um, uh, that is why, for example, that uh, we don't have to honor the divine right of kings. The only reason we do is because it is imposed on us in, in the vacuum of our emptiness. We are imposed with an idea. Now, Rousseau, the philosopher, really galvanized this idea. In 1755, Rousseau wrote, So many authors have hastily concluded that man is naturally cruel and requires a regular system of police to be reclaimed, whereas nothing can be more gentle than him in his primitive state. When placed by nature at an equal distance from the stupidity of brutes and the pernicious good sense of civilized man, the more we reflect on the state, the more convinced we shall be that it was the least subject of any revolutions, the best for man, and that nothing could have drawn him out of it but some fatal accident which for the public good should never have happened. The ex example of the savages, most of whom have been found in this condition, seems to confirm that mankind was formed ever to remain in it, that this condition is the real youth of the world, and that all ulterior improvements have been so many steps in appearance toward the perfection of individuals, but in fact, towards the decrepitness of the species. Now, he was writing in response to Thomas Hobbes. Hobbes had, I think, the better of it. Hobbes said, hereby it is manifest that during the time men live without a common power to keep them all in awe, they are in that condition which is called war, and such a war as is of every man against every man. In such condition, there is no place for industry because the fruit thereof is uncertain and consequently no culture of the earth, no navigation nor use of the commodities that may be imported by sea, no commodious building, no instruments of moving and removing such things as require much force, no knowledge of the face of the earth, no account of time, no arts, no letters, no society, and which is worst of all, continual fear and danger of violent death and the life of man, solitary, poor, brutish, nasty, and short. It's a famous quip of Thomas Hobbes, the life of man, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. He believed the only way people could escape this hell on earth was by surrendering to a sovereign power and government, a Leviathan. Now, in truth, they all got a little bit right. This were, these were the Enlightenment philosophers. 2,000 years before them, the Judeo-Christian worldview was fully formed, and it got it right. We are all sinners, but we all have bits of common grace. 
we can behave in kindness to each other. But at the bottom line, we're all sinners. Now, why are we here? Why You're all wondering, we're Erickson? What the heck? What are you doing here? I can hear the program directors of America saying, oh my gosh, he's going to kill the ratings. No, 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 no. I had to start here. I had to start here because I, I got to say this. The diplomatic core of the world takes the Lockean, Rousseauian worldview that we are all a blank slate. If we were all left alone in our natural state, we would all get along. It's, it's only because of the unrefinement of civilization that things are so bad. And we can learn to get along with each other. We can learn from each other. And evil is a social construct. Evil is not real. It is a social construct. I would argue that uh, the left's worldview in the diplomatic core and the like, it is a worldview that is incompatible with humanity. I am a Christian in part because I have explored these other concepts, and I can tell you the Judeo-Christian worldview is the only one that fits. We live in a fallen world. Evil is real, and we are all sinners. And the sooner we as a society recognize we live in a fallen world where there is evil, and we are all sinners, we can find a better path to navigate the world. And when we think that we have gotten rid of evil, evil crops up again. Now, why do I set all of that out? You need to understand the worldview of the diplomatic corps Republicans and Democrats alike is the blank slate. It is that there is no evil. And it is that we can build a heaven on earth. We can build a utopia. I say all of this to get to this story. Al-Qaeda is back. An exclusive Wall Street Journal story. The American military is asking President Biden to station several hundred commandos in Somalia to help blunt the spread of al-Qaeda's aggressive local affiliate al-Shabaab, according to U.S. officials. Military commanders want the White House to reverse then-President Trump's last-minute order to withdraw 700 Army Green Berets, Navy SEALs, and Marine Raiders from bases in Somalia, where they had been training a local elite unit to fight al-Shabaab, according to officials. The Pentagon moved most of the American commandos to neighboring Djibouti and Kenya. Since U.S. forces have come out of Somalia last January, we assess there is an uptick in al-Shabaab activities. The Pentagon considers al-Shabaab to be al-Qaeda's most potent franchise worldwide and estimates its strength at up to 7,000 fighters. The U.S. has conducted a special operations war against the group since 2007, much of it shielded from public view. The military is asking Mr. Biden to deploy troops now stationed in Djibouti and Kenya back to Somalia. Senior officers argue that local soldiers fight more effectively when consistently side-by-side -side with experienced U.S. special operators, even if the Americans avoid ground combat and limit their role. The diplomatic corps in the Trump administration not the Biden or Obama administration, in the Trump administration, decided we could leave Somalia. We had excised the tumor and the evil was gone. And left to their own devices, the Somalis would never again resort to being flirtatious with Al-Qaeda. They believe the blank slate. 
They believe that men are inherently good and who would want to be with Al-Qaeda? And so we packed up and left Somalia. All you got to do is read the Lord of the Rings. You're not going to stamp out the evil. It stayed in the shadows and it metastasized and it's been spreading and a terror cell that we thought was wiped out is back to 7,000 people who want to kill you and your children here in this country. Donald Trump conducted 203 airstrikes during his four-year term, including two the day before he left office. The military's only carried out five airstrikes in 13 months under Biden to repel an al-Shabaab attack. The, as much as the Trump diplomatic corps got it wrong, the Biden diplomatic corps got it worse because they fully invested in the idea of Rousseau and Locke and the blank slate and the, the, the goodness of humanity and, and it's not really that big a deal and evil really isn't a thing. Evil is very real. We saw it on 9-11 and we should not forget it. People are tired of the fight. A lot of people are tired of the fight. And a lot of people say, well, we don't need to police the world. You're right. We don't need to police the world. But if we don't stand up and be the leader of the world, someone else is going to stand up and lead it. And right now you got China trying to lead and China does not care about Al-Qaeda because Al-Qaeda is turned on us. And now we've got a, a malicious, malevolent, malignant tumor growing in Somalia because our diplomatic elites thought we had solved the problem and everyone would go back to being savages left alone by civilization and revert to the goodness of their heart and that we don't actually live in a fallen world where people are sinners and people of power. The power of Al-Qaeda in Africa has been to lure poor young men in and give them a religious cause and direct their ire at us. And now our soldiers are going to have to go back into Somalia again because we stayed out for so long we have allowed Al-Qaeda to rear its head again after so many presidents have told us it was dead. It's not. It's just been hiding in the shadows, growing and metastasizing. Can we stop being so idealistic about how wonderful humanity is? We're not. We are a fallen creature filled with sin. And in Africa, it perverts itself in all sorts of evil. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Um, have you heard about Ryan Coogler? I, I feel, I feel really bad for the guy. My gosh. But so if you don't know, Ryan Coogler was the director of Black Panther. He went into a Bank of America branch in Atlanta in January. It's only just come out. That happened in January. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so he's in a cap. He's got on sunglasses and he's wearing a COVID-19 mask. He went up to a counter handed a teller a withdrawal slip for $12,000 and wrote a note, I would like to withdraw $12,000 cash from my checking account. Please do the money count somewhere else. I'd like to be discreet. And the teller process, now you got to understand, this is Atlanta, Georgia, in the middle of a big crime wave, thanks to the mayor, uh, the, the old mayor of Atlanta. And so the bank teller thought she's being robbed got security, and they wound up handcuffing the guy until they realized, oh, my gosh, you're the director of Black Panther. This is embarrassing. And he and Bank of America, they're fine. The, the story only just now came out. It's become a, a, a big story. This is racism. This is He, by the way, is not saying that. He is not saying 
It was racism. He's not saying anything. But my gosh, a whole lot of people are. Um, I just, uh, you know, this doesn't matter if, if you're black or white. It, it, and a lot of people say, well, they wouldn't do it if he's white. No, they would do it if you were white. Majority of bank robbers in this country are white people, not black people. And they wear caps, sunglasses, and masks, and they hand you notes and say, give me $12,000 discreetly. <laughs> I, I feel horrible for the guy, though. He was legit, but, oh, man, he and Bank of America are cool. The, the bank teller apparently was absolutely mortified when she found out that she wasn't being robbed and she had called security on it. But um, everything is fine. It's just hilarious to me that people are seizing on this as racial profiling and they're ignoring the fact that he went into a bank in an area that had been hit with a crime wave already. He's wearing a cap, sunglasses, a mask, and hands the woman a note and says, I want $12,000, count it discreetly. That's <laughs> racism, racism. No, it's not. No, it's not. Even he is not saying it's racism. But man, other people want to push that agenda. People just they they it is it is what they they do. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. So um I I gotta I'll just be honest with you. I believe in radical transparency in radio. <laughs> Particularly when it doesn't concern me. <laughs> you know, the call screener has young kids. And he's gotten the stomach bug from the young kids. So um, we won't be having any phones for the next half hour. I'm sorry. Uh, it's his kid's fault. <laughs> uh, I, I got I, I to gotta play you some uh, exchanges that have happened at the White House in the last hour. Uh, Pete Ducey and Jen Psaki have had a back and forth. And I want you to listen to some of this from Jen Psaki uh, with Pete Ducey. You said this is temporary. You know, you've, you've noted before that inflation is going to wane or is expected to wane by the end of the year. Is that still your belief? These That continues to be the projection of the Federal Reserve, of outside economists, and we really rely on them for their projections. But there is also no question that uh, inflation may be higher for the next few months than it would have been without the Russia, without President Putin and Russia's further invasion into Ukraine, particularly due to higher energy prices. And obviously they will watch that, and we are watching that, but that is definitely having an impact. Yep, that's right. Uh, they're still saying inflation is temporary and also uh, gas prices. Regular basis. But in terms of prices going up, we do anticipate that gas prices and energy prices will go up. That is something that the president has conveyed very clearly to the American public. We also believe it will be temporary and not long lasting. Uh, yeah, temporary and not long lasting. Okay. There, there are some problems. Republicans and Democrats alike fall into this trap. And I, I do need you to understand that it's not partisan. It's part of the problem of Washington. Do you know why the founders of the country picked Washington, D.C. as the capital? Do you remember your history there? Do you remember? It, it actually was the center of the nation. Washington was the center of the nation. I realize it's not now, but it was then. Washington was halfway between uh, the southern tip of Georgia and the northern tip of Maine. 
Washington was the center of the nation. And it was easy to get to from the big centers, of population centers in Pennsylvania and in Virginia. You could get from Richmond or Philadelphia or even New York, really. You could get there, and they were the big population centers. Virginia was the most populous state. Pennsylvania follows it, and Washington was in the center. I, I forget where it is. Um, it's somewhere out um, the geographic center where I can geographic center of the United States. Where is it? Kansas. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. If you include, well, if you include Alaska and Hawaii, yep, it, it would be Kansas, Lebanon, Kansas, continental United States. You include Alaska and Hawaii, it shifts to Belforce, South Dakota. Let's go with Lebanon, Kansas though. Lebanon, Kansas is the geographic center of the continental United States. If you were to make a, uh, build a new capital in the United States of America, you would build it in Lebanon, Kansas. In fact, there used to be a historic marker at Smith Center in Lebanon, Kansas, uh, that was actually packed up and moved to Belforce, South Dakota, after Alaska and Hawaii joined the Union. But Washington, D.C. was the center of the nation, and now it's in Kansas. The problem with Washington being the capital now, and, and by the way, I'm not suggesting we move it. Washington's a beautiful city. You know, so when I was a kid, I grew up in Dubai from Louisiana. We'd come back during the summer to uh, see my grandparents, but lived in Dubai. I always wanted to go to Washington. And I didn't go to Washington until I was in uh, college. Actually, no, I take it back. My sister and brother-in-law, when I was in high school once, took me up there for a day. Uh, but I, for my college graduation trip, yeah, this is how much of a nerd and political nerd I am. I saved up money, and I went to Washington by myself for several days. Uh, I always wanted to see it, and I didn't want to be rushed. I wanted to take my time. I wanted to go see everything. When I was a kid to try to convince my parents we should go to Washington, we all, I mean, we lived halfway around the world. I understand it as, as an adult. We never did fly to Washington to see it, but I always wanted to go, and I memorized the subway system. Washington, to this day, I have memorized the, the, the subway line in Washington, the metro. After I got out of college, I got married. My wife did not want to move to Washington. I went to law school to... MBA of politics as a law degree, and we stayed in Macon, but I got a job for a while, and I commuted back and forth, had a roommate in Washington, and had to take the, the, the metro system, then the bus stops everywhere, and it was fine. I didn't have a, have a car. It was great. I was there three days one week, four days the next week. We had just had a kid here. It was miserable with my wife, but I loved Washington. I don't think we need to move Washington, but the problem with Washington now is that you, if you live in Washington, it's overwhelmingly Democrat, it's overwhelmingly progressive, it is one of the highest income-earning areas of the country, and the media travels the Acela Corridor. The Acela Corridor, that's the name of the uh, of the Amtrak Corridor between New York and Boston, or Washington and Boston. There's a high-speed train, it's not that high-speed, uh, between Washington, D.C. and Boston. And if you're sitting in first class, you see everybody. I've seen Tom Friedman in first class. Uh, Joe Biden's been in there before. All these people from CNN and, and uh, Fox News and MSNBC and senators and congressmen and lobbyists, and they're all on the first class Acela Express. And whether you intend to or not, you get into a bubble. 
Now, when I was looking between CNN and Fox News, I was gotten offers from CNN. Sean Hannity, uh, when I when CNN offered me a job back in 2009, Sean Hannity found out about it and he pushed Fox News to make me a counteroffer. And I went up to New York. I met with Bill Shine, a great, great guy. Bill Shine is one of the, the greatest people on the planet. And he was discussing the differences between CNN and Fox and noted that CNN pays attention to what people on the East and West Coast think, people within 50 miles of a coast. What do they think? What's their news of the day? It it tends to be overwhelmingly urban, overwhelmingly a metropolis, overwhelmingly a Democrat. And Fox News pays attention to people who live within 100 miles of a river valley. And the result is that Fox News pays attention to what people who live out in the countryside are focused on. So what do people within 100 miles of the Mississippi River Valley think, or the Missouri, or the Ohio River, or the Allegheny, or the Monongahela, or the Red River, the Colorado River? What do they think about? What are their big concerns? That's where Fox News does well. They focus on those. If you stay too coastal, if you stay too urban, your view of the world gets skewed. This is why so many people in the uh, Biden administration can be dismissive of those of us who don't want an electric car. They live in cities. They have public transportation. They don't even own cars. If they own cars, they don't have to drive very far in them. My office is an hour, 15 minutes from my house. And I'm fine. I, I work out of the house mostly. And I can drive to the, up to the city once a week, see who's been fired, keep up with the office gossip, who's been hired, all the office gossip, whose office has moved, who's gone, who's new, all of that. I, I can I can keep up with it, go up once a week or every other week. I get a haircut. My, my, my barber, Aaron, is in Atlanta. He's gotten way too popular. I got to schedule my haircuts now weeks in advance, which is good for him. His business is booming. He's a great guy, but but it's it's my excuse. I can get out of the house. I can go up to Atlanta, uh, have all my meetings, pack everything in. But otherwise, I live in middle Georgia. In fact, I live very close to the geographic center of the state. There's a big marker. It's also where Hernando de Soto performed the first baptism in North America. I live out in real America. Now, people who live in, in coastal cities, they get mad at you when you say this. How can I live in real America, too? I live in New York City. It's like saying Paris isn't France. Actually, Charles de Gaulle, the Charles de Gaulle once said, there is Paris and there is France. And never the two shall meet. It's the same way here. So Jen Psaki can talk about, bring it real now, bring it back home. Jen Psaki can talk about, well, inflation's temporary, gas is temporary. We don't need more gas. People just need electric cars. Pete Buttigieg can talk about how awesome it is about all the electric cars out there. And we will give you a $12,000 credit to buy an $80,000 electric car that you can't plug in at home. And it'll be wonderful. You can do it. You know, Chasen Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg's husband, got caught on video uh, at a, a gay youth camp getting kids to do, I pledge allegiance to the rainbow flag and sexuality and all that sort of stuff. And you know what? In, in, in progressive enclaves, that's par for the course. And they think the rest of the people in the country are bigots for not being down with that or thinking it unusual. And they don't relate. 
They don't live life like you and me. They don't. They see the world in a different way. They see the world in a very secular way. They're not churched. They don't go to church. They're less and less familiar with church. Their children will grow up atheists. They will have less and less encounter with people who are different from them. And it makes them see the world in a way that does not actually relate to the world. So when the Biden administration is forming its policies on inflation and forming its policies on gas and energy, they can say, well, it's temporary. It's temporary. It doesn't really affect us anyway. Well, it does not affect them. But if you live in Lebanon, Kansas, I assure you it affects them. I assure you that in Lebanon, Kansas, the people who are commuting from Lebanon, Kansas into the big cities to go to work, they're feeling it. And you know, the left's solution is, well, you should not live in Lebanon, Kansas. You should live in the big city. You should live in Wichita. You should live in, I'm, I'm looking on the map, what's the big city? My gosh, there really isn't a big city anywhere near Lebanon, Kansas. It's way the heck away from Selena and, and Wichita. It's just a small town. And the closest big city is actually in Nebraska, Hastings, Nebraska. That's not that big of a city. Grand Island, Nebraska. And the, the left, they don't relate to anyone like that. They, they don't relate to those. Yeah, I, I, know, I know I'm being broadcast live right now on KRMG in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa is a city, a city I need to get to. But there are lots of small towns. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm fans of the, the Piner woman. I wouldn't say we're friends, but we know each other. And I, I pay attention to her. And, and she talks about having to homeschool her kids. And she didn't homeschool her kids for religious reasons. She homeschooled her kids because it's 30 minutes down her driveway to get to the house, let alone to get to school. It's a long drive. She lives on a massive farm. Her husband's a cattle rancher. My wife is desperate to go to Oklahoma and brand cows with Reed Drummond's husband. My wife wants to drive her motor, ride her motorcycle out to the, the Drummond Ranch and help them with their cows. It, I, I don't get it. That, that's what my wife wants to do. But you live out in Balhuska. You live out in Pershing. You live out in the middle of, of rural Oklahoma. And you got to commute into cities, but you're out there because you're a farmer. You're out there because your family is from there and you're taking care of your relatives. You're, you're living outside of a city. The left cannot contemplate that. They do not live that existence. It is not within their lived existence. And so they have a real hard time making policy for those people. And increasingly, more and more conservatives and independent voters are making those choices to not live in cities. My God, y'all, we've just come through a massive pandemic where if you were in the city, you're going to fall over dead with COVID. And now they want to pack you back into the cities and make you drive on urban transportation. No, a lot of people moved out into the countryside to get away from the pandemic. And so it doesn't work for you or me for them to say, well, it's all temporary. And, you know, there's always public transportation. There's not public transportation out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. And they don't get it. And the problem for the Biden administration is that they are surrounded by urban progressives 
who have never lived in rural areas or or they did, they grew up there and they grew up to hate it and they wanted to move to the big city. Maybe they were gay and they went to a Christian school and so they've rebelled and they despise where they grew up and they viscerally hate it because they, they, they were bullied when they were kids and it, it leaves a bad taste in their mouth and, and they wanted to go to the city and now they hate those rural hicks or they just never grew up in it. And so they can't relate or they're hostile to it. And a lot of Americans live in those places that fly over country, as the left would call it. And if you're not going to make policy for those people, you're going to keep losing. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the way our electoral system works with the Electoral College, it matters greatly if you can't win those parts of the country. You cannot get your guy elected. And so what's their solution? Not to relate to these people, but to call them bigots and demand we amend the Constitution and get rid of the Electoral College. That's not going to work. Maybe they should try relating to people and winning some elections instead of telling them to get electric cars and move to the cities, you filthy bigots, and go bake cakes while you're at it. One of the organizations, one of the companies that's out there fighting for the conservative movement in red counties and blue counties around the world or around the country at least is Patriot Mobile. Now, I use this term. AMVNO, what's that mean? Well, they're a mobile carrier that uses the cell towers that the major carriers put up. Congress passed a law that says any you can open a cell phone company and the monopoly companies have to show, share their towers. So you don't have to worry about quality of service. You get the same service from the same towers that the big companies use. And Patriot Mobile, unlike them, it's not woke. They are Christian. They are conservative. They give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement. If you do business with Patriot Mobile, you get great discounts. If you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, got a large family, you need a lot of lines, they can get a great discount with them. But more importantly, they send a portion of their profits to the conservative movement to fight for life, to fight for the Second Amendment, to fight for the causes you care about. And they got 100% U.S.-based customer service. So you can call them, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. Or you can go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. That's patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K and get free activation with my name at Patriot Mobile. Speaking of Oklahoma, you know one of the problems they're not going to have there? According to Axios and the University of Georgia's announcement, an invasive species of spider the size of a child's hand is expected to colonize the entire East Coast this spring by parachuting down from the sky. Juro spiders, millions of them, are expected to begin ballooning up and down the East Coast as early as May. Researchers have determined the spiders can tolerate cold weather but are harmless to humans as their fangs are too small to break human skin. So they have fangs! Just not going to break your skin. They're native to Japan. They began infiltrating the U.S. in 2013, concentrating in the southeast, specifically Georgia. They fanned out across the state using their webs as tiny, terrifying parachutes to travel with the wind. Andy Davis, author of the study and a researcher at Georgia's Odom School of Ecology, tells Axios that it isn't certain how far north the spiders will travel, but they may wind up as far north as D.C. or Delaware. And they can survive even in the snowy cold of the north. They're bright yellow, black, blue, and red and grow up to three inches. Traveled in shipping containers. And they get big in June. You know, there's only one solution for this. We got to burn down the eastern half of the United States, kill these spiders, and then we all move to Oklahoma. There's just, I mean, there's nothing you can do except burn your house down when you find spiders. I mean, that's... 
Ah, spiders. My kid is terrified of them, and so am I. (laughs) It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.